0: Welcome to episode number two of Calm History. This is a memoir episode featuring part one of Titanic, my survival story. I'm Harris, and I created this podcast to bring you the conflicts, discoveries, tragedies, and triumphs of history, but in a calm tone, so you can just chill, and relax. You can learn more about my other podcasts and vote on the future of this podcast by going to silkpodcasts.com or use the link in the episode notes. All right, this is part one of a series of episodes about someone who survived the Titanic. In summary, the Titanic was a British passenger liner which launched in 1911. It was the largest ship afloat at the time, but unfortunately it sank on its maiden voyage when it hit an iceberg. These episodes are based on the first-person survivor account, The Loss of the S.S. Titanic, by Lawrence Beasley with some factual enhancements and content editing by me to improve the accuracy and flow. For example, although Lawrence called the ship the S.S. Titanic in the title of his memoir, the more official name of the ship was the R.M.S. Titanic. And I even snuck the meaning of those letters into the story for you. Alright, here is an overview of this first episode. It's going to begin with an overview of the Titanic, filled with facts and statistics about the ship and the passengers. Lawrence begins his first-person account on the night before the ship leaves port. He then continues by sharing his thoughts and observations as he boards the ship and as the ship begins its journey. You'll hear him explain why some passengers weren't allowed to board and how the ship almost collided with two other ships within the first few minutes of its voyage. In part two of this memoir series, Lawrence will share more of his thoughts and observations as the voyage of the Titanic gets underway. Okay, time to begin today's historical tale. I hope it distracts and relaxes your overactive brain squirrels. Titanic My Survival Story Part 1 From Construction to Departure The story I'm about to tell you Shouldn't start with me, but with the ship itself. The RMS Titanic was built in Belfast, Ireland. Some also call it the SS Titanic because it was a steamer ship. However, RMS Titanic is more of the official name and stands for Royal Mail Steamer or Royal Mail Ship. Of course it was a passenger ship, but it was called a Royal Mail Ship because it was also certified to carry British postal mail. In fact, all ships at that time, military and civilian that were under the British flag, carried the distinction of RMS. This gave the ship the protection of the British crown. An attack on any Royal Mail ship was considered an attack on the British Crown and an act of war. Now, you may wonder what name was on the ship. Did it say RMS Titanic or SS Titanic? It was neither. The ship just said Titanic. So it is also perfectly fine to just call the ship Titanic or the Titanic. The keel of the ship was constructed in 1909 and she was launched into the water on May 31, 1911. She passed her initial sea trials before the Board of Trade Officials on March 31, 1912. On April 10th, that same year, she departed from Southampton, England, with about 2,200 passengers and crew. She was expected to arrive a week later in New York City. Instead, she collided with an iceberg four days later, and then sunk within two and a half hours. About. Fifteen hundred passengers and crew drowned, and about seven hundred survived. I was one of those lucky survivors. Some five weeks after the ship sank, I was a guest at a special luncheon in Boston. The editor of the Boston Herald approached me and urged me to tell my eyewitness account. We agreed that it would probably be a wise thing to write a history of the Titanic disaster as correctly as possible. I can best vouch for the experiences that I share with you that are my own. I only hope that the facts and figures that I've gathered related to this incident are also correct. I wrote this account the same year that the Titanic sank, so it is possible, or even likely, that additional details will come forth in the future that may be even more accurate than my facts and figures. So I can't best tell you why the Titanic sank. I can only best share my experience. I also felt that it was my duty as a survivor to tell the story. I felt that I owed it to the 1,500 souls who went down with the ship I want to make sure that the reforms so urgently needed to prevent a similar disaster are not allowed to be forgotten. Some of these reforms may include the construction of specific aspects of the ship. For example, the vessel had bilge keels which projected two feet outwards for 300 feet of her length on both sides. The purpose of these bilge keels was to lessen the tendency to roll in the sea, and I'm sure they worked well. Unfortunately, they may also have been one of the key weaknesses. The bilge keel may have been the first portion touched by the iceberg, resulting in it being pushed in and compromising the hull layers. Many aspects of the ship were designed for safety. But of course, we now know that some of those aspects failed. She was fitted with 16 lifeboats that were 30 feet long each. I was told that these were more than enough to have saved every soul on board on the night of the collision. But yet, it didn't seem like there were enough lifeboats on the night of that disaster. There's an impression among the general public that the provision of Turkish baths, gymnasiums, and other luxuries were at the sacrifice of more essential things like lifeboats. I disagree. There were lots of places on the Titanic's deck where more boats and rafts could have been stored without sacrificing any of those items of luxury. The fault was not in designing the ship without places to put lifeboats. The fault was simply that more lifeboats and rafts were not provided. Of course, the ship was built to be unsinkable, so why should anyone worry about lifeboats? The entire ship was divided into 16 compartments by 15 transverse watertight bulkheads. Communication between the engine rooms and boiler rooms was through watertight doors, which could all be closed instantly from the captain's bridge. They could also be closed by hand with a lever. Additionally, if the floor below them was flooded by accident, then a float underneath the flooring shut them automatically. These compartments were so designed that if the two largest were flooded with water, the ship would still be quite safe. Of course, more than two were flooded the night of the collision, but exactly how many is not yet clear. All right, let me now share my personal experience on the Titanic. The night before I boarded the Titanic, I had stayed at a nearby hotel in Southampton, England. It was very close to our port of departure. In the morning, as I sat at the hotel and ate breakfast, I could see the Titanic through the window. She had four huge funnels or smokestacks on top. I thought that looked impressive. I later learned that one of those four huge smokestacks was fake. It was purely for decoration. Perhaps it was meant to make the ship look more impressive, which worked on me. The ship also looked safe and seaworthy, so I guess all was not as it seemed. Behind me at breakfast were three other Titanic passengers discussing the upcoming voyage. They were estimating, among other things, the probabilities of an accident at sea. As I rose from breakfast, I glanced at the group and recognized them later on board. Unfortunately, I don't recall seeing them among the other survivors several days later. At 10 a.m., I boarded the Titanic. It was... April 10th, 1912. I wandered around the ship while waiting for the vessel to leave the port. It was so extensive that it would be quite easy to lose one's way on such a ship. I inspected the various decks, dining saloons, libraries, and the gymnasium. The gymnasium is particularly memorable. As several other survivors have attested, the band played outside this gymnasium while the ship was sinking. They played with such supreme courage in face of the water, which rose foot by foot right before their eyes. At around noon, the whistles of the ship blew. This meant that non-passenger friends and visitors had to go ashore. As the last of the gangways were being withdrawn, a curious incident occurred. A couple of men, who I believe were meant to tend some of the furnaces in the Titanic, were trying to get aboard. They were running along the dock with their kits slung over their shoulders and buttles, trying to join the ship. But a petty officer, guarding the shore end of the gangway, firmly refused them to board. They argued, they gesticulated, apparently attempting to explain the reasons why they were late, but the petty officer remained firm and waved them back with a determined hand. The gangway was dragged back amid their protests, putting an end to the determined efforts to join the Titanic. The petty officer probably understood. That the 162 furnaces on the Titanic already had about 160 stokers on board to tend them. So a couple of missing stokers wasn't worth a late departure. Those stokers may have been angry at that moment, but they were probably thankful a few days later when they heard about the fate of the ship. They will no doubt tell for years the story of how their lives were probably saved by being too late to join the Titanic. The Titanic moved slowly out of the dock, but not without another incident. The huge wash from our propellers created a suction as we passed two other ocean liners which were moored. The strong pull from our wash caused those ships to break the ropes that kept them moored. This resulted in them drifting towards us, almost resulting in a collision. Eventually, some tugboats got hold of these drifting ships, and no damage occurred. The whole incident was exciting and scary at the same time. No one was probably more interested than a young American photographer who turned the handle of his camera with the most evident pleasure as he recorded the unexpected incident. It was obviously quite a windfall for him to have been on board at such a time. But neither the film nor the photographer reached the other side. The near collisions did rattle many of the passengers. Many of them thought it was a bad omen. Sailors and other travelers on the sea tend to be quite superstitious. Yet this time, the omen did portend the future. At that moment of danger, no one was wishing we had collided with those other ocean liners. Yet, if we had, then that would have delayed our departure and perhaps change the destiny of the Titanic. The murmurs of the near collision soon died down and were mostly replaced by excitement. Excitement that our journey had finally begun. This is the end of part one. Stay tuned for part two. To listen to some other podcasts that I've created, or to vote on the future of this podcast, just go to silkpodcasts.com or use the link in the episode notes. Take care.